family. If you're able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we hear his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning is in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless I will bless those or I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Our New Testament reading is in Matthew 28 um, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them and when he saw them uh, when they saw he saw them, they worshipped him. Some doubted, and Jesus said, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. You. you may be seated. Please pray with me for the word. Lord, we thank you for your, your awesome grace, Lord, your mercy to us. As we come before you, Lord, we ask that you would continue to move in our hearts, move in this place, that we might heed your word, understand your word, obey your word, live by your word. We pray that in each individual circumstance, Lord, you know. You know the word that you desire for us to hear from you today. So, Lord, we pray that we would focus and give our hearts and our minds only to you. We pray that we wouldn't be distracted. But, Lord, that you would receive all glory as, Lord, we hear and listen to your word. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue our series in discipleship, I'm sure you're kind of getting a little bit tired of us telling you to, you know, go to, go to small group and go to Sunday school and do all these things, right? But we're going to keep doing it until <laughs> some of you guys uh, need a little bit more encouragement. So we're going to continue our series in discipleship. And today we're going to talk about being a discipling disciple. A disciple that makes disciples. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about what is discipleship? So what do we got to do? Yeah, we got to encourage each other. We have to know the gospel. We have to come to know the knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and learn more about it. We need to come together, right, as the early church did. We need to, you know, join in small groups. We need to encourage each other. We, uh, we talked about last week about being the dwelling place of God, right, as the people of God, as a church of God. And so today we're going to talk about being disciples that make other disciples. You, you might say, well, where are you getting this from? We get it from today's passage in Matthew 28. When after three long years of ministry, 
Now after the resurrection, Jesus meets the 11 disciples in Galilee on a mountain. And it's here that he gives them this breaking news, this great commission. You see, the disciples have done all the things that we talked about. They met together in a small group. They talked about Jesus, right? They learned about Jesus. They came to the knowledge of the Savior, the Messiah. They even learned from God himself the purpose and the plan of the Messiah, of the Christ, that he would die and resurrect on the third day. They had the greatest seminary professor, Jesus himself taught them for three years. And it would have been fine if he met them here at Galilee and just said, all right, now just go back to your homes and talk about what you learned for the last three years and just pray together and just, you know, just be together and talk about me a lot among yourselves. But that's not what he did. He said, now go and make disciples. So let us take an in-depth look at what Jesus actually told his disciples here in this great commission. When Jesus meets the eleven at Galilee, th- these are the first words that he says in verses 18 through 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I want to break this down a little bit. The passage, this passage, is known as the Great Commission because it's right before Jesus ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And he commissions, he commands these disciples that he has discipled for these three years to now go and do what he has done. What they have learned from him, what they have seen him do, the ministry that he did, he's now passing on to these disciples. And he's saying, now go and do what you have seen me do. Go and make disciples. Now, I don't want to elaborate on the grammatical, you know, and all these things of this Great Commission, but there's one thing that we need to know, and it's integral in our understanding this Great Commission, and that is the main controlling verb of this Great Commission, and that is to make disciples. That is what all of this context, all of these words are surrounded by that controlling verb, to make disciples. And so R.T. France, he says, the sentence structure is of the main verb in the imperative, make disciples, followed by two uncoordinated participles, baptizing and teaching, which spell out the process of making disciples. Now, this is, this is integral to our understanding of the Great Commission because if we don't understand that what Jesus is telling the disciples to do is to go make disciples, then we're going to go off and we're going to do something else. Some Christians, they misunderstand this Great Commission because they put the emphasis on something else, on baptizing. They say, oh, well, we got to go and we got to baptize, or we got to go and we got to teach people, or we just got to go. And so a lot of times when we talk about the Great Commission, we talk about going on a foreign missions trip, or we, go, we talk about going somewhere far away and doing something great for God, uh, learning a different language, or, or, or maybe... A, translating, you know, the scripture for someone else on a faraway land. And that is all good. But that is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to make disciples. And so then, Jesus commissions his disciples to go and make disciples. Well, how do you do this? Firstly, 
we read in verse 18 that we do this through the authority of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 18, all authority, all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this is quite a peculiar thing for Jesus to say to his disciples who have for the last three years seen in action all authority on heaven and on earth in Jesus. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him heal the leper, heal the blind. They've seen him raise Lazarus back to life. They have just encountered and witnessed him being crucified on a cross, being buried in a grave, and now they see the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so it is quite a peculiar thing for Jesus now in his resurrected body to say to the disciples, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. I think it's, it's a given, right, for the disciples. They, I think they know that already. So why is he making this a point to them? Because he's saying, the way that you will make disciples, the way that you will fulfill this great commission that I give you is not through your authority. It's not through your ability. It's not through your eloquent way of, of, of preaching or evangelizing the gospel message to these people. He's saying the way that you will make disciples is through the authority of Jesus, the authority of all of heaven and all of earth. Remember, these are the disciples that went through this, this three-year training period with Jesus, and they doubted Jesus at times, they asked Jesus a lot of what we think are kind of, kind of silly questions. Every time Jesus told them about the plan, right, that he would die and resurrect, they said, no, 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 Jesus, that, that, you, you can't do that. They would fight with each other about who is going to, you know, be at the right and the left, right? Who's going to be glorified more with Jesus? No, it's, it's going to be me, not me, and they would fight about it. These are the disciples that abandoned Jesus, at, at his crucifixion, when he needed them the most, they ran away. And yet they stand here with Jesus on a mountain in Galilee, and he says to these disciples, you will go now and make disciples. How? In their ability? With their wits? through the authority of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we as Christians, we look at this great commission and we become overwhelmed. Like, what, me? How can I? I don't know enough about the Bible. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been a Christian long enough. I've just joined a small group. I don't even know what that means. And we say, oh, I can't do this. I can't make disciples. I, I can't do this great commission thing. It's too hard. And rightly so, if we are trying to do it on, on our own accord, if we're trying to do it with our own strength, if we're trying to do it with our own ability, then yes, it is impossible. But that's why Jesus says, you're not doing it on your own accord. You're not doing it with your own ability. You're not doing it with your authority. You're doing it in the authority of Jesus Christ. And so he, like a reminder at the end of the Great Commission, he says in verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's Jesus who does it through us. Emmanuel, 
right? When we know the Christmas story, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus says, yes, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And this is how you will continue the ministry that I give you in my authority. The reason why this has to be emphasized is because many times we as Christians fail to fulfill this great commission, either because we feel too inadequate. I'm not a good enough Christian, so I can't do this. How could God use me to influence someone else or make other disciples? That's, that's just you know, nonsense. I can't do that. I'm too inadequate. Or we think too highly of ourselves. Well, you know, I read the Bible, you know, three times already, you know. I've been in small group for 20 years, so, you know, I'm, you know, I can do this. What Jesus is saying here is whether you feel too inadequate, like, I can't do this. Or you feel overconfident, like, yes, I can do this. Both of those are saying, you are doing it in your power because you feel either inadequate or you feel like you can do it. And Jesus is saying, no. You are making disciples for Jesus, through Jesus, by the authority of Jesus. This was a great problem even in the early church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 through 12, uh, 1, 12 through 15. What I mean is that each of one of you says, I follow, follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you are baptized in my name. You see, it became a problem, this making disciples. Because people would latch on to not the authority of Christ, but they would cling to the person. Well, you know, I was baptized by Paul, or I was baptized by this person, and so I'm going to follow this person, or I'm on this person's side, or I'm in this person's group. And Paul says, man, I'm glad I only baptized a couple of you so that I, I can stay away from all this nonsense. See, the point of Jesus is that we make disciples for Jesus. How do we do this? By his authority. And secondly, through his church. In Ephesians 4.11, he says that he has given us the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers. He has given us overseers and elders. He has given us deacons. He has given us all the parts that make up the body of Christ to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So we take heart that, number one, it's not up to us. It's not by our authority that we make disciples. And number two, that we don't have to do this alone, that God has given us through Jesus Christ. He is building up his church. So we make disciples not individually by ourselves, but we make disciples together collectively as the church. And so we take heart because we don't have to make disciples on our own. In fact, we shouldn't make disciples on our own. This is where all the problems come in. This is where all the problems in the early church happened, what Paul is addressing here. He's saying people are trying to go out and do their own thing. And he's saying, no, we don't follow Paul or we don't follow, you know, Apollos or all these people. We follow Christ. We are the church of Christ. 
And so we are commissioned as Christians to go and make disciples for Christ through the church. Jesus didn't give this great commission to each individual disciple and say, all right, now, Peter, you go out and you make your own group, right? And Thomas, you're the doubter, so you go and gather the doubters and you make your your own group, right? (laughs) No, he gave this great commission, this great command to the disciples collectively. At Pentecost, it was when the 120 disciples together were gathered together. They're praying together, and the Holy Spirit came upon them together. It was in the early church as the disciples together evangelized and preached the gospel message, and it says that the Lord, he added to Peter daily? He added to the disciple daily? No. It says that the Lord added to them, the church daily, he added to the church. There were disciples being made in the church, through the church, through the authority of Christ. And so if we look at the process of being a disciple, it means that we come to have saving faith in the Lord as our Savior. It is being discipled by other godly Christians through the church. It is true that we disciple through the authority and the power of Christ, but it is through the church that disciples are made. And like we've been telling you, you can do this by joining a small group or joining Sunday school or precepts or all these wonderful things in the church, serving in ministry, becoming a a ministry leader. We are called to grow in the knowledge of God and our love for him. And we intentionally We come together to grow together. We grow as a Christian when we are with people that are different than us. See, that's how we are making disciples. The way that we know that as a church we are growing as a church and we're making disciples is when all kinds of different people from different cultures, different ethnicities, different backgrounds come together because of Jesus Christ. You see, that's how we know that we're making disciples for Christ and not for me. When I meet with someone or I preach or I join a small group, I'm not trying to influence someone to become more like me. I'm trying to influence them to become more like Christ. And so it doesn't matter where your background is or it doesn't matter where you come from or what ethnicity or even what language you speak because I'm not trying to make you like me Otherwise, I'd be doing this all wrong. I'm not fulfilling the Great Commission. We're not trying to make disciples of us. We're trying to make disciples of Jesus. And so, as we are discipled to be more like Christ, we are called to disciple others to be more like Christ. And we need to know that as we are discipled, it doesn't just end there. But the end goal is to make disciples. It's not about learning just to pray for myself. But it's learning how to pray for other people. It's not just about meeting together in our small groups so that we can just become really, really close together and talk about Jesus together. But it's learning to grow with one another to be disciples of Christ so that we can disciple others. That's the goal. That's always the goal. As we mature as Christians, God will always cause us to have a Christian influence on others. 
to make disciples just as he did with the 11. This can happen in many ways. Evangelism, talking about uh, Christ with a coworker, sharing your faith with family, encouraging members at your church, praying for those who are hurting, serving, and supporting in ministry. But as we discussed earlier, all of these things must lead to making disciples. This means that investing in long-term relationships and investing in other people. Making disciples is more than just sharing the gospel with them one time and then just forgetting about them. Making disciples is more than, and, than just coming out on Sunday and, and saying hi to somebody and then just not thinking about them or not praying about them or not meeting with them the entire week. Making disciples is about investing, engaging, having a relationship with, with that person. It took Jesus, Messiah, God. He spent three years discipling the disciples. So if we think that we can disciple, make disciples by just interacting with someone for five minutes and say, thank you, Lord, then we are greatly mistaken. It's not about how many people we can say raised their hand and gave their lives to Christ. It's not about how many people we say we, oh, we baptized this many people on Easter and then just forget about them. That is not fulfilling the Great Commission because the Great Commission says make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, but make disciples. Part of making disciples, we learned, is baptizing and teaching. And so Jesus calls us to go and make disciples. So how do we baptize? How do we teach? We do it through the church. We baptize through the church. We teach through the church. How do we teach if we aren't discipled? So you have to be discipled to make disciples. Even Jesus had a multitude of people that followed him. But they left when he didn't serve their selfish desires. In John chapter 6, verse 66, we read, After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So it's not about just, okay, I'm going to tell you this once. But it's walking with them. It's about baptizing our children, but praying for them, coming alongside them, teaching them, being examples Godly Christian examples for them. It's about baptizing those who profess Jesus. Evangelizing and witnessing is all great. Bringing them into the church is great. Having them be baptized is great. But then we have to come alongside them and aid and assist and support and pray for them as those whom God has called first to be baptized first, to come into his church first. It's our job now to extend a helping hand and disciple those who are coming into the church later. Let us learn to observe the commandments of the Lord and keep each other accountable. When we see a brother or a sister in need, when we see a brother or a sister straying from the commands, what does it mean to make disciples? It means that we keep them accountable. Older, godly, Christian men. Teach 
and disciple younger men. Older godly Christian women, teach and disciple younger women. Parents, teach and disciple your children. Practically speaking, I would say that disciple-making starts in the church. You don't have to go, you know, you know, all the way, you know, to some foreign land to fulfill this great commission. The great commission begins here in our church. And I'm going to say something that, you know, might be a little bit radical for some of you guys. But I'm at the pulpit, so I get to say it. <laughs> this great commission, I think, in our context, isn't go now far away and make disciples. But in our context now, with the mystery of the gospel, I believe that God has called the nations into the church. So no longer do we have to go out somewhere far to fulfill the great commission of making disciples of all nations because God has gathered the nations to his church. So no longer do we have to go 5,000 miles to Ghana to preach the gospel to Ghanaians because God has brought Ghanaians into our church. No longer do we have to travel 7,000 miles to South Korea because God has brought Koreans here into his church. This great commission begins here in the church. We don't have to travel to Italy or Spain or Germany or Puerto Rico or India or China to fulfill the great commission, right? You can go on vacation, right? Because those are beautiful places. But the great commission, it begins here in the church of God. So going and, make, going and making disciples of all nations, do it here, in the church, in the community, in Dover, Delaware. We are called to gather the nations and worship together. That is the church, to be discipled by one another regardless of our background. So then let us speak the truth in love with one another here now. For God's heart is to bring salvation to the nations. And this is the gospel. And the purpose of Jesus' ministry, his death and his resurrection, is to save the nations. And beautifully, he does this. Thousands of years earlier, he gave a promise to Abraham. He says, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He gave this promise that through the seed of Abraham that all the nations would be blessed. What does that mean? That all the nations would be saved through the seed of Abraham. And through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Matthew in his book he reveals this plan of God from Abraham to the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. In the very first chapter, Matthew begins his gospel with the genealogy of Christ. And the genealogy doesn't start with Adam. It doesn't start with Noah. It doesn't start with Moses. It starts with Abraham. And while Matthew is writing his gospel, the Holy Spirit is stirring in his heart this gospel, this salvation for the nations. And he thinks of Abraham and this promise that God gave to Abraham to save the nations. This great commission, this promise that began with Abraham. And now in the last chapter, 
in Matthew 28, it has been fulfilled through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, in him beautifully saying to his disciples, that promise, that promise of Abraham is now fulfilled. So now you go and make disciples of all nations. And so, church, all authority on heaven and on earth is given to us through Jesus Christ to now go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your plan of salvation. Through eternity and even in the beginning of time, it was your purpose and your plan to save the nations. And Lord, you have commissioned us, you have commanded us, we who are sinful, we who are weak, but still, Lord, through your grace, through your authority and through your power, Lord, you have commissioned us to be disciples who make disciples for you. So, Lord, we pray that you would enable our church, strengthen our church, encourage our church to do what you have commanded and commissioned us to make disciples of all nations that we may glorify you we thank you lord and we pray this in your name jesus christ amen